heart and soul of a nation, beckons the call. The voice of our forefathers heard in the distance. A house divided against itself cannot stand. To reclaim our honor. honor. Our soul. The challenges of a generation call out. Future generations hang in the balance. We choose liberty. This is the voice of a nation. The nation. The nation. The nation. And now, Malcolm. Well, in the words of Rush Limbaugh, it's my job, it's my life, it's my career, it's my passion. I'm doing what I love. I think I'm doing what I was born to do. I have no specific goals from this point forward. I never have had any specific goals. I've always thought, I know generally what I want to do. I want to be in media. I want to be in radio. It's what I love. It's what I do best. And I'm open to all opportunities that come my way. Rush Limbaugh, dead at the age of 70, died February 17, 2021. Of course, he'd been suffering with a uh, really battle in this advanced lung cancer. Very few. I mean, you, you can think on one hand of people that have impacted, well, so many things. Conservatism, number one. Uh, but number two, changed the airwaves, uh, changed the conversation, well-respected. Um, there's, there's only a couple of folks that fall into that category. Rush Limbaugh being one in this generation. And, and the one prior to this was Paul Harvey. Between Rush Limbaugh and Paul Harvey, they were in a class of their own. I mean, these gentlemen changed the world. You don't forget people like this ever. And, you know, I start here when I talk about his passion because, you see, that's the gift of life. When you do what you really want to do, what, what is most enjoyable, what, what gets those endorphins moving in you, like when you get done with a great whatever it is, race, or you get done with a great broadcast, or you put your hand up and say, I got it, I did it. And that's that's the excitement of being in your space, uh, fulfilling your passion. Like he says, it's, it's what I love, it's what I do best. And when you have that magic in your life, whatever it is, it, it doesn't matter what it is, it's just that you love it and it fits everything about you and you're able to execute at the highest level. Rush did that. He fulfilled that, just as well as Paul Harvey did. They were in the right space at the right time. That makes a difference. Absolutely makes a difference. Now, Rush, he was inducted into the Radio Hall of Fame in 1993 and the National Association of Broadcasters Hall of Fame in 1998. He's a five-time winner of the National Association of Broadcasters Marconi Award for Excellence in Syndicated and Network Broadcasting. So it was February 2020 that the news broke where he revealed to the world that he had been diagnosed with advanced lung cancer. And as you might recall, it was shortly after that that he was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom during Donald Trump's State of the Union address, and everyone remembers that moment, and just the expression and the heartfelt thanks of this man, this gentle giant, as he was called, uh, at that uh, State of the Union will always be a, uh, a memory 
riveted in my mind that uh, the way he accepted that and his emotional outpour to get the Presidential Medal of Freedom, the highest honor that the country would possibly give to a civilian, and, and he received it. Uh, very cool. Rush impacted, you know, I've been talking in past days about conservatism. He impacted conservatism in, in a way that uh, was very special indeed. And, you know, and there's something to say up front about the Rush Limbaugh's and, and sometimes the Paul Harvey's, but definitely the Donald Trump's is that, you know, I was listening to Rush's wife, uh, Catherine, uh, deliver the words to the world and the audience on his show, actually, that he had passed away. And she talked about him being a gentle giant and talked about his heart and his passion and his love of life, his love of people, uh, his inspiration. Now, to some people, they would look at that and they would think the direct opposite of a Rush Limbaugh, just as they would a Trump, for instance, okay? They would look at them more as polarizing or, you know, hard fought, uh, not able to compromise, more or less. Um, other people would think that way. Well, these are, these are guys who, who stood on principle. They, they, they stand on principle. Uh, you know, we all have core principles and values in us. And those, those are the ideals that you don't really want to bend on. Because if you do, that makes you nothing more than, as I was telling you yesterday, where the political winds blow and you, you bend like Gumby. You just go one way or another because you don't have a backbone uh, in your, your thinking and your process and your ideology. It's one thing to compromise, which, of course, Trump wrote the book on, The Art of the Deal. It's another word, word to bend over backwards in the wind just because the political winds are blowing that way and it's uh, self-expediency uh, is to do that uh, for whatever reason. And a lot of people fit into that category. Uh, Rush wasn't one of those guys. He had principle. He, he had, he's, had an ideology that was uh, baked into him. And you either liked that or you didn't. Now, if you like conviction, then you like that. But you see, as I've been sharing to you in, in past weeks and months, we have fallen far off the tree of a diversity of opinions in our nation. We, we've fallen far from that. And you know, the reason a guy like a Rush Limbaugh or, or Donald Trump, for that matter, would, would, to some people, come across as rough and rumble and polarizing and uncompromising and all of that uh, is because they stood on their principle and they argued the point back, right? Now, here's the thing. When you take a look at the left and the Marxists and what they've done globally in the world and what they're attempting to do here in America, I mean, these people have an agenda, clearly. And they are lock in step with the media and the tech giants and the oligarchs and all the things we talk about. You know that. And so they've got all that going for them. And, and they... They crowd everybody out. They they grab onto the megaphone, the, the the Marxist left, and they own that megaphone. And quite frankly, the only way to get their attention sometimes is to do exactly what a Rush, Rush Limbaugh did, what a Donald Trump did. And some people say, well, that's that's not right. But there is no other way sometimes to get the attention than to be the loudest voice in the room. You know, there are those times you have to be that way, the squeaky wheel kind of thing, you know. And the leftists—they've done that very well. The, their whole politically correct uh, program and environment—they control the talking points, and so it takes a special talent 
that a Rush Limbaugh would have or Donald Trump would have to be able to break through that. And it really is, you know, call it what you want. I mean, some people call it shock value or something else, but it gets your attention basically, right? Uh, and that's what it is. And, and that's what these guys do. Let me, what I want to do is play some various interesting clips and, and points of reference in the next hour. We got a lot to talk about here in this uh, major news announcement and, and how this really hits political circles and what I think I've been talking so much about conservatism. As I've been discussing with you, trying to bring back the point of being cool to be a patriot again. That's one of the things Rush loved about Donald Trump, in fact. I'm going to read you a personal message that Rush delivered, in fact, about Trump in just a moment. Before, I want to play Rush's words right here next uh, in how he took in this whole election fraud business and what he thought about it. Uh, listen to this. It is preposterous to believe that the Russians had any effect on the outcome of voting in this country. It's absurd. There is no evidence. Zilch. Zero. Nada. The New York Times has run two stories that are basically propaganda on this, one in October and one this past week. And both stories clearly say no evidence. Nobody they've talked to has any evidence whatsoever to suggest it. The second thing I think that's important for people to remember People that voted for Donald Trump, people to support Donald Trump, really, really believe that they were going to lose the country if Hillary Clinton won. This is not an idle thought. It's not an exaggeration. They really believe that the country as founded was up for grabs. It was over if Hillary had won, if the Democrats had another four or eight years to do what they do with the judiciary and so forth. So those two things and i think if, if you try to understand both of those not you personally but people have a much greater ability to understand trump and his supporters if you can intellectually accept those two premises i love the way he uses the word preposterous uh and to, to capture the moment and, and get your attention and when he talks about losing the country and he's talking about the 2016 presidential race and hillary clinton I mean, the same could be said for what happened in 2020 with Joe Biden. Now, the caveat to all of this is that Trump was able to reverse a lot of those policies. was able to, you know, change the Supreme Court with the uh, three elections to the court, uh, the courts in general, with a lot of conservative judges and a lot of conservative policies made it cool again to be conservative in America, to be a patriot in America, uh, made it very cool. And, and so you, you have those four years uh, that uh, were remarkable that uh, Trump was successful with. That could make all the difference and will make all the difference when you look at that compared to had there been a Hillary Clinton victory and then a Joe Biden victory on top of a, of a Barack Obama victory. And now at that point, you've got what, you know, uh, 16 or 20 years of Marxism. And then the country is pretty well history at that point. And, and so that's how instrumental those four years that Trump uh, delivered to America. And we'll see where the future goes uh, as far as Trump goes. But I'm talking about what has happened already. And Trump points that out very successfully. Americans were concerned. They are concerned that our country was taking a turn uh, for the worst uh, in not ways that we could recognize that. And if you take uh, Russia's uh, speech right there, uh, and you you played that for the 2020 and you just replaced the words with uh, Hillary Clinton to Joe Biden, it would be the same conversation, really, you see.
with same same exact conversation. Uh, so that that's the importance of what Rush says there. Now, I want to read to you next a very very uh, special message that Rush had delivered to Donald Trump's very emotional message. Now, this was a a letter he delivered to Trump and and really to the nation. And I think there are several takeaways from this. And uh, let's let's uh, let's do this together. This is Rush Limbaugh's letter and message to Donald Trump and to the nation at large. And he said this. My days on Earth are numbered, but before I fade away, there is something important I need to say. It may not be important to anyone else, but it's important to me. Win, lose, or fraud. President Trump, I just want to say thank you for the last four years. Thank you for making it cool to be an American again. Thank you for showing us that we don't need to be under China's thumb anymore, economically or any other way. Thank you for one of the strongest economies we've ever experienced in my lifetime. Thank you for all you've done for the minority communities and the outstanding decrease in the unemployment rate you had. Thank you for making it feel good to love our country and to be a proud patriot again. Thank you for supporting our nation's flag and the men and women who fought for the freedom that stands behind that flag. Thank you for supporting our nation's law enforcement organizations and understanding how difficult their job really is. Thank you for quelling the flood of illegal immigration and bringing to justice the thousands of criminals that flood brought us. Thank you for giving corporations a reason to come back to America, to make our own products and put Americans back to work. Thank you for bringing our troops home from endless deployments that presented us with little more than body bags and for your commitment to strengthen our military. Thank you for Operation Warp Speed and keeping your promise to bring in the COVID-19 vaccine to us in less than a year. Thank you for your never ending attempts at bringing peace to the Middle East and your support for Israel. Thank you for your tax relief and thank you for our energy independence. Most of all though, thank you for taking a damn rotten job that you never had to take. Thank you for caring enough for this country to want to try and make a difference. Thank you for showing America how little career politicians actually work for their constituents and for showing us how much those politicians despise you for showing America how easy it is to build a great nation rather than rape her to line their own pockets and stock portfolios. Thank you for allowing us to experience a president that wasn't a lifelong politician, but a lifelong American. Thank you, Mr. President. You did your best, Rush Limbaugh. You can see many of the Rush-isms in that letter he delivered to President Trump. The first thing that comes to mind is the remarkable set of policies and the impact 
that the Trump administration had. I mean, anytime you think of the Trump administration or you think of Rush Limbaugh, they are going to be interwoven and interconnected. Uh, Rush Limbaugh stood up for conservatism. He stood up for Trump. And it was a very unlikely relationship, as I was discussing yesterday with you in regards to, you know, Trump and conservatism. I mean, was really a Democrat for much of his life and had different points and sets of values. But his ideology, I think, was well planted in common sense and the art of a deal, knew how to get the job done. And boy, did he embrace conservative values in a remarkable way. You know, they always say when you're younger, you're more liberal and free. And as you get older, you get more common sense and grow brain, right? More or less. Maybe that should be true. Maybe there's hope for the country after all, if that's the case, really. But I think when you look at all of those accomplishments that... Uh, Rush talked about and delivered in that letter that President Trump was highly successful for it. It, it makes you think, and especially right now, when you see the, the agenda, the, the real Marxist agenda that is being put forth in every regard, every one of those policies I just talked about, everything from energy to tax to immigration, every, everything, every one of the policies are all being reversed right now at this very moment in time. It, it's, uh, it's all being changed. It's all being upside down backwards. And, and now, which brings us back to the same concern that Rush just delivered in that uh, speech we just heard him talk about, that uh, talk he had. Now, what I'm wondering really is when he ends it, I'm, what I'm thinking, I don't know about you, but if you're thinking the same way, but when he says, thank you, Mr. President, you did your best. And he ended it that way. I've been saving this letter for a while to bring it to you and talk to you all. I had this especially put on the side. I wanted to do something and I didn't know it was going to be this moment, quite frankly, when he, when he died, that I was going to do this. I, that wasn't the point, but it seemed to be so relevant and so appropriate today to bring this to the airwaves for all of us. But I had put this aside in a special place to talk about at some point, Russia's contribution to conservatism and to our nation. Well, when I read that letter the first time, and, and I read it multiple times, and I seen when he ended it, thank you, Mr. President, you did your best. And then he signed off Rush Limbaugh. Those words, they were, it was like being in the Grand Canyon. And those words, the only way I can describe it to you is they're being echoed across the canyon. And I kept hearing that in my mind. You did your best, 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 best. You did your best, 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 best. I kept hearing those same words. And I thought, what did Rush really mean by that? You did your best. Those words alarmed me. He ended it with more of a kind of left you hanging. Just sort of like right now at this moment, as he now passes away and the country is hanging. And he leaves at a very vulnerable moment in time where the business is not finished, where there's work to do, where we have to roll up our sleeves and get busy once again, you see? So what I wonder is, and I, I pose to you and throw at you today is, do you think Rush had given up at that point when he says you did your best? Did he, did he would maybe he recognize that the damage that would come in now from the Marxist move and from the Biden cabal and the globalists, that it would be too much to overcome. And with, 
what everybody felt with the election fraud that, you know, as many of the conversations had been had that, you know, be hard for conservatives to win elections again if they really truly have rigged the race. Could that have been what he meant, really, when he said had Rush, you know, had, had he really given up? I mean, you did your best, but, you know, hey, we all went home. We tried our best. It's like, you, you know, it's like the, the football game or the baseball game. You didn't quite win. You came close. The gold medal, you fell just a second and a half short. Ah, you did your best. You know, he didn't get the gold. Were we to give up? I mean, Rush wasn't a quitter. He was a fighter. So it's hard to say that he was thinking giving up, but did he feel it was overwhelming or the odds were against the country or that the deck was indeed stacked and that the phony election would become the norm? Is that what he was thinking? Could he see any optimism for the future? Did he still see the shining city on a hill? Did he see the beacon of hope? Did he still see the soaring eagle in the sky? Could he see that, I wonder? I mean, that is America. We think of American exceptionalism. We think of all those things and you get goosebumps. Patriots get goosebumps. It's not a, not a stretch, my fellow Americans, at all. Not when you love the country. I wondered if he thought the odds were against Trump and the Republic when he said you did your best. I also wondered, did he see America in a checkmate move? from the globalists. Was this sort of that checkmate move? You know, you have to remember that Barack Obama had been working underground for that entire four plus years that he had left the White House. He was instrumental in all these activities on Biden. And he'd been working with the OFA, creating that, that group there with Valerie Jarrett and company. And his Marxist agenda was alive and well, if not underground, it was, it was thriving in its own way. Uh, they were sending John Kerry over to the Middle East, making all these deals and arrangements with foreign adversaries, doing things that people should have been locked up for. You talk about a Logan Act, that should have been absolutely executed. And yet now he's the czar of climate change, John Kerry. He should be behind bars in prison where he should be. That's just the out loud truth, my friends. Now, you may think that's a little harsh to say as well. Too bad. It's the truth. And so I wondered if Russ seen that, that checkmate move, or how do, how do we uncheck the checkmate? You know, you can't really do that in a game of chess, can you? Checkmate means your, your ass is fried. You're, you're, you're it. You're done. We, we've got you right there. The next move is check. It's over. It's done. What was is and was this a checkmate move from the globalists? Because if Rush was thinking that with you did your best, then of course the, the rules have entirely changed. And that's different from being optimistic. You can be optimistic, but you don't want to live in a in a phony a fairy tale a Disney type world either, right? I mean that that's not gonna cut it. I mean, you have to be real. So these are all questions I, I would like to ask them and you know, it, it's hard to say, but I think Rush, being who he was, he would come back with some mode of optimism because we do that as patriots. We never give up. We are always optimistic. We never stop. We we, we never settle. We, we don't step down. We don't back down. I mean, historically, when you look at our country, you don't see that that's ever happened. You, we, we got here from the fight. We got, time and time again in, in America, it was more than just America. America saved the world time and time again. 
you know, we always say America was God's gift to humanity at this point. Are, are, we, are we cutting the mustard? Are we living up to those challenges? Are we really the gift to humanity? Are, are those of us that have our hand in the fight as patriots, as really God-loving, bleeding, red, white, and blue Americans, are we all in, on board? Are, are we involved in the game here? Are we committed to this thing? Really? What's our best? Now, those words will always haunt me. You did your best, 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 best. What is our best? Are we ready to do what our, what our ancestors have done and the commitments and fulfill the obligations to humanity being the very best of the best? Are we all ready for that fight? Are we ready to set the Marxists back? Are we, are we ready to call them bluff on their checkmate move? I wonder, are we? It's a hell of a fight ahead. There are a lot of lessons to take away from Rush Limbaugh. And for that matter, Donald Trump and all of these really iconic figures, Paul Harvey. And the lesson, one of the first and foremost lessons I get is that compassionate conservatism. I talked to you about it, in fact, yesterday. That's, that's what comes to my mind. Compassionate conservatism. It's a little different than just what the Republicans have been offering. And I talked to you all about that as well, the political parties of the Republicans and the Democrats and what's ahead for both parties and how we really do officially drain the swamp in Washington. Gave you some good advice yesterday on how to make this happen in our country and things that should take place if we want to be sure we're not in a checkmate move. But the big lesson I take from it is that you can have a heart. You can be compassionate have great conservative values, love our country, and then tell the Marxists to go to hell and shut up and, and echo that to the media, the big mouths in the media who are in partner with the, uh, the Marxist socialist communist group because that's what it takes because it seems they're all in cahoots on the left there, the big tech oligarchs and the, the, the social media giants and uh, traditional media, newspapers and televisions and all these people and the indoctrination of everything that's happened in our nation over the past, uh, what, 25, 30 years at least, longer than that, many would argue with me, sure. But the damage is certainly since Reagan left here has been profound through Bush, Clinton, Bush and Obama years have been profoundly ridiculous and sad for this nation. And it was only at a time that Donald Trump came along to make it fashionable again to be an American, to be a patriot and to be a conservative for sure. He made it cool again. And that was the connection with Rush Limbaugh and Donald Trump in a very unique way. And so the, both of those men have big hearts. They're very passionate. I see them as lovers of life and patriotic men who would do what it takes to win at, at all cost. And that my friends is the sign of a winner. That's what America is made of. It's not America is not a country that's made of pansies and people to get along to go along or worried about the PC culture or the cancel culture. Not about any of that. America prides itself on a diversity of thought, diversity of opinion, innovation, exceptionalism, 
uniqueness. America is a God-loving, compassionate country, cares for other people. It puts itself on the line in the, in the, in, in the direct fire and line of harm time and time again. I mean, patriots get it. Patriots understand. Patriots are willing to die for this nation. They've shown that time and time again in our 245-year history, my fellow Americans. It's going to take all of us, it's going to take a movement, again, of patriots and conservatives uh, to make that difference. And we're going to have to make difficult decisions ahead, for sure. Uh, one of the decisions I've been discussing with you in past days is we're going to have to now let convenience go, and we're going to have to prioritize patriotism over convenience, you see? And if we don't begin to do that, we're going to lose the fight, and we're going to find ourselves in a checkmate moment from the globalists. Because the globalists have the recipe down pat. And right now, they're taking full advantage of this. And I, I don't see it any other way. And when you see these conglomerates and these oligarchs out there, these massive major corporations that have more money than they possibly know what to do with, and yet they're delivering back to the most horrific groups, to Marxist groups, to Antifa groups, Black Lives Matter groups, to our adversaries overseas like China. Uh, the, none of these would support American values and patriotism. None of these groups that I mentioned would stand for the flag and understand what America is all about and embrace American exceptionalism. That's why I've been telling you and talking to you about shop to the right. It's a brand new enterprise, brand new. So you got to give this thing time to develop, but I'm impressed with what I see. And it's a place you can go and be able to find like-minded people who share your values. So instead of going to the big box, some of these big ones that, you know, they, you may not, and just you research some of those companies and you'll see what their values are and who they're donating to in case you haven't been paying attention. Uh, you can just go look up Amazon and see what their interest is and who they're supporting and then make the decision whether you want to get that next a premium a membership or uh, invest your hard-earned money with companies that don't share your values. These are decisions you're going to have to make. I'm not telling you what to do. You're going to have to make those decisions. Again, patriotism over convenience, right? Which is it? Which do you want? You want a country? You want to be patriotic for the country? Or is it just, is convenience the most important thing to you? It's something we're all going to have to decide. So the nationwide database is right there at shoptotheright.com. And what's really cool is you can list your business there for free. Uh, and be part of that database as well. Now, there's a lot of other exciting things coming from this group. They'll eventually have online shopping. They're building all kinds of things uh, really fast and quickly as they can. And they're, they're passionate people. Uh, the folks I'm talking about now, they're veterans involved in the group. It's a group of founders that got together and really want to make a difference. And I think we're starting to see that more and more across our country. Patriots are once again uh, here in the rallying call. Uh, for their country. Uh, this is a group just like that. So I want to encourage you to check it out and, and also stay close to the group, shoptotheright.com. And uh, let, let's see how this happens now and how it grows, but we got to do these things together. The other one I've been telling you about, the other product I think is so important for all of us to have a healthy lifestyle is healthycell.com. And it puts vitamins to shame. It's a totally different product because you see, Everything about us, it's the health of our cells. If our cells are not healthy and happy, we're not going to be healthy and happy, and we're not going to live a long life. 
that's the whole thing. And I learned a lot from this company, actually. I learned a lot. Uh, last a couple, well, I don't know, about two and a half years ago, I had the CEO on a program and I was so impressed. I ended up sponsoring and supporting the company. And uh, I really like their product a lot. It comes in gel form or pill form, but it gets to the, to the, he the health of your cells is what it is. Uh, the founder was a Nobel uh, Prize nominee, uh, Vincent Giampapa, Dr. Vincent Giampapa, that is. It's a great product, healthycell.com. If you hit the link right at americaoutloud.com, you get 20% off as a listener to your first order. Just use the code OUTLOUD, or the banner will know you're uh, from our uh, one of our listeners if you click it from the website at America Out Loud, and you'll also get that discount. I encourage you to take advantage of that as well today. These are all great opportunities to live a more healthy, prosperous life. We're gonna pause and be back with more of the story just after this. Listen to Malcolm, the voice of a nation on iHeartRadio or our free apps on Apple, Android, or Alexa. Oh, my fellow Americans, we sure do love our convenient shopping options. But what happens after we buy? Are the products coming from China or overseas, thereby putting our fellow Americans out of business? Are the profits being sent to groups like Antifa, Black Lives Matter, groups that intend to destroy the freedoms that we enjoy? Well, listen, I'm an avid consumer just like you are. But I've realized that we need to think before we buy. Shopping should be convenient and easy, sure, but we need to be able to follow the money. Well, ShopToTheRight.com. It's brand new. It's a new shopping platform featuring American companies with a focus on products that are made right here in America. Well, listen, this is a novel idea and one that I believe will start to become more popular and create a shopping revolution. ShopToTheRight.com. Think back to the last time you felt healthy and energized. The best times of our lives occur when we're at the peak of our health, sleeping better, full of energy and focus. We know that fades with age, and you might be feeling the effects of aging as low energy and poor sleep. But it doesn't have to be that way. There haven't been any nutrition systems designed to rejuvenate our bodies as we get older until now. Healthy Cell Pro is the only multinutrient system that impacts the building block of your body, the cell. Created by anti-aging expert and Nobel Prize nominee, Dr. Vincent Giampapa, award-winning Healthy Cell Pro cuts through the complexity of nutrition supplements by simply giving you the purest ingredients, filling dietary gaps to nourish your cells and enhance your quality of life for optimal performance. Visit HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for an exclusive discount or call 844-869-9958. Our global experts are brilliant writers and engaging hosts on a mission of a lifetime. You'll find the latest news and inspiration on the front page of AmericaOutloud.com. When, when Trump sends out a tweet and says the fake media... And he's, all those organizations you just listed are not my enemy, they're the enemy of the American people. Does that go too far? Well, again, not to his voters. Well, his voters have I'm asking you. for what the you longest think? time. I think that there's something to it. Now, enemy of the people, enemy of the state, they're enemies of Trump. And Trump won the election. 
Trump won the on substance. Trump did more interviews. He explained his agenda more than any political presidential candidate ever has in my memory. And he has tried to stick to it as people perceive it. And this effort to stop him, that's, this is what people conclude, anti-American, anti-this. It, it clearly is anti-Trump. And Trump, Trump has a connection with his voters that most politicians don't have. I understand it perhaps better than anybody in media. And that connection that he has is not anything that anybody else can break. Only he can break it. It's interesting words from Rush Limbaugh. You're listening there. And, and these uh, takes here are from, as you heard Chris Wallace up front there, not exactly a conservative stronghold, of course. Uh, but this interview was back in 2017, in February, in fact. Uh, Rush was on the Fox News Sunday program and talked about some of these things that I share with you today. Um, I just thought it was a, a very uh, revealing interview. Um, and what I like about this, when you talk about the enemy of the state, you know, you remember this moment because Trump was being called out a great deal about the enemy of the people in his uh, premise and how he positioned the fourth estate. Uh, now, you know, we, we could we can debate and argue this all day long, but, you know, we all know in our hearts, I mean, everybody knows, not just the right, the left know, everybody knows in this country, the media is one-sided and they have never been on the side of the President Trump for sure. And they've never been on the side of conservatism and they've never been on the side of patriotism. Uh, they're in another league of their own. But when they've been as hostile as they've been to the truth and they've been as hostile as they've been to you know, the Trump administration, all the way from, yes, the moment of the escalator, all the way through the Russia collusion and the dossier, and all the way through all of the scandals, the countless scandals, I there's certainly no need to bore you with all of them today. But you know, the level of scandals, and the level of controversies that the media continue to uh, entrench this administration with, and the airwaves, and really, it was an injustice of what they did and the battering and beating of war drums day in and day out, never really telling the other side of the story, never really understanding, never really wanting the truth, just always anonymous sources in the New York Times and the Washington Post and all these publications, always about we don't know who said it, but we think somebody said it on the planet, so it must be true. And then this would feed the news uh, feeds for days and everybody would foment over this thing. And this is what was going on. And it was time after time after time and all these stories where people would foment. And, and then, you know, Wallace asked a question like, well, why would Trump say that? Why, why do you think he would say that, Chris Wallace? Why do you think people would think that? Why do you think that, Chris Wallace? Why? You know, they never want to admit the truth, the left. And he's about as left as you can get. But they never want to admit the truth. These people live in a fairy tale land because they have a different sort of agenda for what they see America as. And it's, it's, you can't recognize that agenda. You and I cannot. So there was a point to that that Rush talks about when he talks about the enemy. He knew what he was talking about. He was being very careful in that interview, I will say, with Wallace. He was trying to be respectful. I think if Rush was on his own show addressing the same thing, he'd be a lot more fiery. And he'd fire it back and tell you why he thinks they're the enemy of the state. And he's done that before on his broadcast, I know. So 
it was, you know, you, you, you try to be respectful in the moment. I, mean, I truly, totally get that. And a morning Sunday news program, I mean, I fully understand, but you know, listen, the truth of the matter is the fourth estate is the enemy of the people. It absolutely is because they don't give the whole truth and nothing but the truth. They don't give any part of the truth. They give a, a slanted, slighted, uh, ridiculous Marxist agenda, one that fits their narrative of a globalist world and everything that it seems to be anti what you and I support and love about our country is what they are seem to, I mean, they love open borders. They love having everybody come in the criminal intent. They love all this stuff. I mean, these people are absolutely, you can't call those people patriotic. There's nothing patriotic about these kind of people. I'll have that argument all day long with you. They're just, they, it doesn't fit people. So when he asked the question, yes, they are the enemy of the people. Yes, the media has become that. The media is lost at this point, let's face it. The fourth estate is long gone. And if it wasn't for conservative talk radio, there would, I mean, you talk about that vacuum. It, it would be that much larger when you look at the audience that Rush delivered to. And the audience that talk radio uh, provides uh, with truth across our great country. Uh, it's uh, it stands to reason the importance of this medium and what it delivers to people, and why I take it so serious myself here at America Out Loud Talk Radio. Why why I love this medium, what it what it stands for, what it's about. But it's our it's our opportunity to deliver the out loud truth out there. It's our opportunity to set the record straight. It's our opportunity to balance the seesaw of ignorance and hatred and lies and innuendos and untruths. It is our opportunity. It's the only one we have at this point. Now, maybe as things move on, conservatism will get to a new light in the social media world and the big tech world, because a lot of people in conservative circles right now are scrambling. They're scrambling bad as the tech giants and the oligarchs are taking patriots down and conservatism down. And now you see everything is lined up against everything Rush Limbaugh was for, for is everything's being dismantled right now, which is probably why he ended that letter. I, I possibly you did your best, 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 best. It's a remarkable words to to end that letter with still makes me unsettled those words do from what Russ was really thinking in his heart and in his soul you see makes me wonder let's talk a little bit more about Rush Limbaugh the man and some things I've discovered in my research about him as well that uh, certainly I might not have known all of these points and you probably don't as well, but there are some interesting factoids and thoughts about his life that I think need to be discussed. And uh, so he, he broke into radio uh, in the 1970s, rushed it. Okay. And he was fired uh, more than once for being too controversial as a news commentator. Uh, now go figure, huh? <laughs> uh, however, by 1984, and boy, that number is branded, isn't it? When we think of Orwellian 1984, it just happens to be by 1984, he had become the top radio host in Sacramento, California. And his greatest success came actually in August 1988. That was the Rush Limbaugh show, uh, nationally syndicated from New York City by the ABC radio network, 
when that premiered. And that, by the way, is the network that Paul Harvey uh, made his magic with as well, coincidentally. The Rush Limbaugh show has been on air for more than three decades, my friends. You know, in the early days of Rush, he, by the time he was about eight years old, can you imagine being, you know, eight years old and knowing where you want to be in your life and what you want to do? For me, I, I, I knew I just wanted to make a difference in the world, and I felt I was going to be a voice and an icon out there somehow. Of course, I got into the advertising marketing world in the corporate boardrooms and get sidetracked for a couple of decades. Uh, unfortunately, but here I am. So for Rush, by the time he was eight years old, he had set his sights on a career in radio. Can you imagine that? Knowing at seven, eight years old, you wanted to do that. Some people are blessed. They're fortunate. His father had a more stable career in mind for Rush, though, as most dads sometimes do or moms do as well, right? You know, they want you to be a doctor or a surgeon or a librarian or something, but not the sports racer or the radio guy or the, you know, uh, something a little more outlandish or the Olympic swimmer, you know, something else that you thrive for. As I said, when I started off the program, if you're doing what you love in life, that's magic, people. That's worth everything. It's not about money. So it's just about being in your magic space. Rush expressed that. I expressed that to you up front. That was important. Let's get that out there. His passion. See, when your passion is in the game, that's when you can literally take your hand and yes, and bring it down and like, oh, I got it. I, I, I do that myself. When I get off a great program, I take my hand and I, oh, get, done, get done with a great interview or a great talk or something. You just felt like you hit it. You hit it. You hit a home run. And sometimes even it's a grand slam and you, you do a double fist. That's knowing you're in the right business. Whatever business that's in, doesn't matter. It's just you're in the right business if you have that sense. And if you don't have that, you're not in the right business. And you'll, you'll always be shortchanged in life if you don't have that in your life. You got to make the leap. So his father questioned him as to what, uh, you know, career path he would take. And then Rush says, he said, I said, Pop, I love this. I know I'm great at it. I'm going to get even better. And uh, Rush was remembering this back in an interview he'd had, you know. But dad, as many parents will do, stayed opposed to his son's goal. And uh, because of it, many people in the family and the, the Limbaugh clan, as they were known, uh, uh, Rush was seen as a rebel. But you see, in order to get to that level of success, you almost have to always be seen as a rebel, people. I mean, that's just the way, like Trump, he's a rebel. But Paul Harvey, they're all rebels, because you're, you're bucking the trends. You're, 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 you're bucking what everybody else is doing. Leadership comes at a price. And you're an oddity. You're an odd duck. You're, you're a bit of a screwball. You don't fit in. I know what I'm talking about. Rush went on to say, perhaps, if there was a black sheep in our family, it was me. Because I never, I've never been a conformist. I like that word conformist. I totally get what he's talking about. I had seven in my family. I never got along with any of them. Still don't to this day. He says, I was hugely rebellious. I hated school because it's what everybody else had to do. I hated being locked up from the second grade on in a room. The guy on the radio is having fun. He's not going to some room having to learn to paste. And I totally understand that as well. 
you know, we only get so many days on this earth. We all are blessed, as I tell you every day, the blessings we have to live and be alive on this beautiful blue marble in the universe of universes of life, right? I express that to you routinely. And every day it should be that blessing. And we should live to the highest order and the highest standard we can. And at times, if that makes us look odd, unique, different, weird, a bit of a screwball, well, count your blessings then. It means you're doing what you love and you're being who you want to be. And you're willing to dance out in the rain. Whatever the hell that means in your life, embrace it, people. So Rush landed his first radio job when he was in high school and was under the name of Rusty Sharp at the time. Imagine that. You might have, if he kept that, you'd have been known him as Rusty Sharp instead of Rush Limbaugh. <laughs> he worked as a DJ for the local station there, KGMO. It was actually co-owned by his dad even. Wow. And following high school, uh, Limbaugh briefly attended Southeast Missouri State University, left the school in 71, one year after enrollment. He said, I'm out of here, man. <laughs> I love it. And, uh, you know, he had trouble keeping a position. Again, couldn't get quite his wings. And that's what it takes with success. You have to keep breaking shit. You have to break, break, break. And then that's innovation. That's, that's the sweet stuff in life. When you've been fired too many times, or you fall down your ass a lot of times, or your people, yeah, that's a that's a beautiful thing. You're on the road to somewhere. Just think if you're the, if you feel like you're the biggest screw up and you've done everything wrong, you're in good company and you'll probably be a major success in your life doing whatever it is you want to do. That's a lesson you can take from Rush right here. I totally get this. It's it's well worth the price of admission, people. Russ says, my whole family thought I was destined for failure. Sure. Well, when you're breaking that much China, they're going to think that way. But, you know, you, you break it because you're, you're, you get better. And that's what innovation is all about. You break and you break and you break because you're redefining the rules. And quite frankly, in that world, there are no rules. You shouldn't have any boxes in your life. Don't ha never have to think outside of a box if you don't own one, people. I never had a box in my life. Don't know what it looks like. Don't know what it smells like. Never been in one. I'm a freewheeler. And so when they think, you know, talk outside the box or think outside the box, don't be outside the box. Don't have a box. Say, I'm going to burn this box. Take a box out in the backyard and set it on fire. And then tell yourself in your mind that no more boxes in my life. It's gone forever. Now, what I did know about Rush is he had a stint as a ticket salesman for Major League Baseball's Kansas City Royals in the mid-1980s. He landed a job as an on-air host at KFBK in Sacramento, California. And uh, he, he, he became really known as uh, he was Sacramento's top radio host. And that's, where he, and that's where a lot of these guys typically are in a market. That's what's happened in you know, they, they, they get they connect in that market and it just, it just goes somewhere. And, and that's uh, what happened here with Rush. Rush changed the rules. I mean, he changed the rules of the road. He did it his way back to the, uh, you know, I did it my way. Right. I mean, he did it his way. Uh, didn't follow the rule book. He had, a, which is why he was a love affair with him and Trump, by the way, because Trump didn't have a rule book either. He went to Washington to break shit. And that's what he did. And you see, that makes people uncomfortable. Now, I love that stuff. I love when things are broken, when you start breaking stuff. In fact, another thing that people are really 
a little bit backwards with when they say, if it ain't broke, don't break it, which really is the wrong lesson in life. If it ain't broke, I say, break it. That's the best way to do it. If it ain't broke, break it, break the darn thing. Start again, just because sometimes it's just the time to change the furniture around just because it needs to be changed. Sometimes you just have to do the silly things in life. And we have to remind ourselves to do this. We get caught sometimes and oftentimes people in the day-to-day -day mire of life and the problems that beset us on any moment of a day, every day after day, routines. Routines become very consistent, right? Very routine. Complacency. Complacency is a disease. You want to avoid that complacency in your life. Try a new path, a new, a new road. Something different to shake it all up. Change life a little bit. Live. Step us What's What do we got to lose? Listen, we're all going to die anyways. We're all dying. We're all going the same way rush just went. None of us will get by this life without going the same way. And we won't be here. And our voice will be silenced in this world, on this earth. In the same way that it just was with Rush, as it happened with Paul Harvey, as it will happen with many others, everyone else, and you included in that. We all have a mission and a passion and a purpose we need to grab onto, my fellow Americans. We have to reach a little higher. And we have to think about what our contribution is into this society. What, what is our best game forward? What can we deliver to make the best path forward? How do we live the most fulfilling life? And how do we fight the good fight? And that really is the essence of my mission here uh, for Malcolm, is the fight of good and evil. It's fighting the good fight. That's, uh, that's the fight I think is most important. I want to leave you with the words of Paul Harvey. When we talk about great radio icons and Rush Limbaugh and Paul Harvey, and, and I know Rush understood the, the, the importance of a Paul Harvey and his messaging, prophetic and the things that he would say. And Paul Harvey's message, if I were the devil, is truly remarkable. I, it, there isn't a day that doesn't go by. I get messages in here asking me to reiterate Paul Harvey and deliver his message uh, to the American people once again. And that message with, with, uh, with Paul Harvey was done 40 some odd years ago. And he prophesied, I think it was about 47 years ago, actually, he prophesied what would happen if I were the devil. I'm going to leave you with the words, and I'm, uh, but they're going to be Paul Harvey's words. We're going to leave you with Paul. And uh, I'm going to say, Godspeed, Rush Limbaugh. Paul Harvey, and thank you for your contributions to conservatism and to America. Here's Paul. If I were the devil, if I were the devil, if I were the prince of darkness, I'd want to engulf the whole world in darkness, and I'd have a third of its real estate and four-fifths of its population, but I wouldn't be happy until I had seized the ripest apple on the tree. The. So I'd set about, however necessary, to take over the United States. I'd subvert the churches first. I'd begin with a campaign of whispers. With the wisdom of a serpent, I would whisper to you as I whispered to Eve. Do as you please. 
to the young, I would whisper that the Bible is a myth. I would convince them that man created God instead of the other way around. I would confide that what's bad is good and what's good is square. And the old I would teach to pray after me, our Father, which art in Washington. And then I'd get organized. I'd educate authors in how to make lurid literature exciting so that anything else would appear dull and uninteresting. I'd threaten TV with dirtier movies, and vice versa. I'd peddle narcotics to whom I could. I'd sell alcohol to ladies and gentlemen of distinction. I'd tranquilize the rest with pills. If I were the devil, I'd soon have families at war with themselves, churches at war with themselves, and nations at war with themselves, until each in its turn was consumed. And with promises of higher ratings, I'd have mesmerizing media fanning the flames. If I were the devil, I would encourage schools to refine young intellects, but neglect to discipline emotions, just let those run wild. Until before you knew it, you'd have to have drug-sniffing dogs and metal detectors at every schoolhouse door. Within a decade, I'd have prisons overflowing, I'd have judges promoting pornography, Soon I could evict God from the courthouse, then from the schoolhouse, and then from the houses of Congress. And in his own churches I would substitute psychology for religion and deify science. I would lure priests and pastors into misusing boys and girls and church money. If I were the devil, I'd make the symbol of Easter an egg and the symbol of Christmas a bottle. If I were the devil, I'd take from those who have and give to those who wanted until I had killed the incentive of the ambitious. And what'll you bet? I couldn't get whole states to promote gambling as the way to get rich. I would caution against extremes in hard work, in patriotism, in moral conduct. I would convince the young that marriage is old-fashioned, that swinging is more fun, that what you see on TV is the way to be. And thus I could undress you in public and I could lure you into bed with diseases for which there is no cure. In other words, if I were the devil, I'd just keep right on doing what he's doing. Paul Harvey. Good day. <laughs>